Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Cecilia Corrigan, an award-winning writer and performer based in Brooklyn. Her debut poetry collection, Titanic, was released in 2014. And now, here's our first letter. All right, moving on. Cecilia, is it your turn to read or is it mine? I never, ever, ever remember Um, even one time. Oh, this is me. Yeah, this is me. Subject, a whale of a tale. Dear Prudence, about eight years ago, my father-in-law, quote, Bob, went on a cruise to Alaska with some of his buddies. He's frequently told stories about the beautiful whales he saw, the landscape, etc. These stories get old, but are generally harmless. However, now he started claiming that in addition to just sightseeing, he also visited an under-the-table seafood market where he was able to eat whale. I'm pretty horrified to hear about this. I'm a huge animal lover, and my husband and I are careful to raise our children with love and respect for all animals. I'm also skeptical his story is real, but he keeps telling it. The way I see it, either he is A, so desperate for attention that he's making up a gruesome story, or B, really that heartless and suddenly wants everyone to know it. Either way, I find these stories wildly inappropriate. My husband refuses to say anything because he doesn't want to, quote, stir the pot. But doesn't this pot need to be stirred? At the very least, I don't want him telling these stories around my children. Am I overreacting here? Please advise. I don't think you're, I don't think you're overreacting. I think it's possible that someone could overreact here. So I I think I want to steer this letter writer to an appropriate reaction, um, which is to say, like, let's keep it in perspective. This is something that maybe happened eight years ago. It's not like he goes on this cruise annually and you are worried he is going to continue to indulge in like black market whaling. Yeah. I think, I just think it's like, it is reasonable, I think, to have the conversation with your husband. And uh, I mean, to ask him not to tell that story in front of the kids and explain that it's because of the way that you want to raise them and the values, which, you know, seem that you want to respect and love animals. That seems fine. Um, that seems that seems fine, but yeah, I you don't you also don't want to like attack this guy, and you know I don't think that he is. I think if he was, as you say, heartless, uh, I feel like you would. Doesn't seem like there's any evidence beyond that that he really is that heartless. Yeah, I mean, I would say like contextually, uh, lots of indigenous communities eat whale. Uh, and they do so in non-heartless ways. They do so in like sustainable and traditional ways. Um, so I, I think there are contexts in which a person can like safely and reasonably and responsibly eat whale. Obviously, that's not your father-in-law's context or you would have mentioned that. But I do think it's important to clarify that the issue here is the way in which he seems to have gone about it um, rather than there is something unique about whales that unlike other meat, I mean, presumably you don't object when other people talk about having eaten a burger in a restaurant. So to kind of bear in mind, like, oh, these actually bring up really interesting questions about like 
speciesism and like why some animals I might consider horrifying to eat, whereas others I consider totally normal and intuitive. Maybe this will provide you an opportunity to reconsider whether or not you would like to eat other animals. I don't know. We're thinking about. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You can talk about this. Just don't use the word heartless and don't frame it as if he is like himself waking up every morning and clubbing a whale to death before he goes to work. So, you know, you can tell your husband, like, it's fine that you don't want to stir the pot. This to me does not fall into the kind of category, by the way, of questions where it's like, you really need to go through the partner whose family this originally is in order to talk about it. Like, I think you have grounds on your own to just say like, Bob, I find this story weird and upsetting. I think you should not have eaten whale. I really disagree with you. You can say that politely. If he gets defensive, you can stand your ground and say like, I hear it. I don't think this is a good story. I wish you wouldn't tell it. Like that might be an actually useful opportunity for your kids to see an example of two adults disagreeing uh, without saying like, I can never say anything when Bob tells his whale story because that would be stirring the pot. Like you're an adult too. You're allowed to say you object. Yeah. And I think you also say that you've really, that his stories have charmed them, even if they, as you say, get old. So I don't get the sense from this, like this is someone that you find to be generally like a really unreasonable or unpleasant person. And, you know, I think I think I agree with with you, Danny, that it's also something you can bring up and just, yeah, de-dramatizing maybe a little bit some of the some of the language and the way you're thinking about it is probably a good idea before you have the conversation. Um, because like, while it is upsetting and I, I understand your discomfort, it's also true that he's he's from a different generation and like norms shift and it was still pretty normal. I mean, not when he was young, maybe, but it, it's, there are ways that like this story isn't actually um, necessarily a horrifying tale of animal abuse, but is actually just like a something that is no longer comfortable socially that might've been um, something that we wouldn't even occur to him would be inappropriate to talk about. So I think, yeah, just have the combo. You know, I don't even think I would feel the need to like bring generations into it. I I guess I mostly, what I'm thinking is that like, uh, I I don't want to encourage you to use either kinds of animal consumption as like a wedge against the other. So I don't want to say like, well, factory farming is bad. So checkmate, it's stupid to care about um, eating potentially endangered species, but neither do I want to say Um, there's something so much worse about eating an exotic sounding to me in my context, endangered species that it outweighs the evils of factory farming. Like I I would put this kind of closer to on the same scale. And again, I don't say that to like checkmate you or say like everything's bad. Don't care about anything so much as like possibly the fact that this was a like charismatic megafauna that you often see on TV as like needing your help. Um, has more to do with your emotional response than simply the idea of an animal being killed and eaten. Um, So again, without saying like, therefore, it doesn't matter if you've ever eaten a battery farmed chicken, you're not allowed to object now. Simply that let this work itself into a tapestry of thoughts and connections you make about animals being eaten and try to think through what are some, you know, consistent, compassionate, possible uh, ways of thinking about food. And that's it. We actually came in under the wire on that one. I'm very proud. We can move on to the next one, knowing that we're holding firm to the made up arbitrary time schedule I've recently given myself. (laughs) All right. We've got one more question. 
It's your time to read it. And it's another doozy where it's like, you're partly right and partly so, so wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this, this a doozy's right. Okay, subject. I'm just wild about Harry. Dear Prudence, my sister is a lesbian who got divorced last year. She has three kids. The oldest is a 13-year-old boy, Harry. Her ex-wife has joint custody of the much younger girls, but Harry was the result of a one-night stand. My sister's ex has declined to see Harry since she moved out. Harry is very distant from his mom, not acting out or getting into trouble, just hiding out in his room. I love my sister, but she leans too hard on Harry. It reminds me of when our dad died and I was suddenly the man of the house overnight. I've been spending a lot of time one-on-one with Harry. I'll take him and his friends out for guy time. Harry and I also text sometimes. My sister grills me about this. She's gone so far as to tell me I'm, quote, spoiling Harry and ignoring the girls. I got mad and pointed out the girls have two attentive, affectionate moms who will drop everything for them right now. My nieces have been to Build-A-Bear so many times, the employees know them by name. Harry gets the scraps and is at an age where he needs some strong, good male influence. My sister screamed at me that I was not going to steal her son from her. I left. Since then, I got a non-apology from my sister, but she told me I need to work on my homophobic tendencies. A mom is just as good as a dad, and she could reach her son on any subject. I am biting my tongue here. If her ex had been a guy, I still would have been there for Harry. Counseling is off the table because my sister finds the idea a personal insult. There is none available at the school. I asked Harry. I'm not questioning my sister as a mom, but Harry needs me a lot right now. This situation is simmering. Harry has expressed a lot of anger and frustration toward his mom and sisters. What do I do? Well. Yeah, there's, again, that kind of theme of like, old family dynamics between my sibling and my parents and I are now coming up in our lives today. And I kind of want to try to relitigate the past on the next generation. It's like, that didn't work out great in Wuthering Heights. I don't think it's going to work out great for you. No. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's air butt all over again. Yeah, Um, like, obviously, the situation is terrible, especially given that, like, your sister's ex apparently used to co-parent Harry. And then once she split up with his mom, when he was 13, was all of a sudden like, he's not my kid anymore. That's awful. I I can't believe that she would do that. That's horrible. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's that, yeah that, that part of it really is brutal. Um, I don't know what the story is there, but uh, the custody arrangement, like legally I get it, but... Um, just, I mean, I mean, what I mean is like, I understand the legal decision to have joint custody with the younger girls that I assume they, right. um, you know, gave birth to or had together. Yeah. Um, and certainly you wouldn't want Harry to be like court ordered to go be with a parent who's decided I don't want to parent him anymore, but it's still awful, as you say. Yeah. And and he's 13 years old. He's definitely old enough to have like forged a real relationship with his uh, mom's ex. So that seems awful to me. And that seems more like, you know, where to focus. I guess I don't want to tell you to focus your anger anywhere because I think moving away from that would be good. Um, and then the uh, the only thing I think it's, I, I don't have like a, I'm sure Danny has a more fleshed out set of advice, but the thing I would advise you just sort of um, diplomatically in these conversations, I I understand why um, 
you would want to give Harry something that it seems like he enjoys and wants, which is what you call guy time. But I can really understand why she would also feel really defensive and upset if you frame things um, in a gendered way um, about why he needs a strong male influence. Um, I would I would stick more to maybe trying to, if you do, you know, get to a point where you're having a good conversation about like resolution or what to do um, for Harry to, to try to stick to um, what will make him the most stable and happy instead of what you're deciding that he needs because of his gender right. um, that he was assigned at birth. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I think I would advise you, even if you do believe that in your heart of hearts, to abandon it for purely tactical and strategical reasons. Because if Harry were a girl, but was also the result of a one night stand where your sister cheated on her ex and her ex was refusing to see, you know, Harry with an eye, Harry would still be dealing with parental abandonment at the age of 13. Harry would still be isolated. Again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting there's no like, um, gendered assumptions going into the ways that potentially your sister is kind of like replicating your parents or your mother's treatment of you as the man of the house as a child. But like, you don't need to make the argument for spending special time with Harry on the basis of your gender so much as on the basis of like, this is a kid who's just been abandoned by a parent. Yeah. That's the basis. Um, and so I, I think to simply don't try to have a fight with your sister about that anymore Give her that, seed that territory and just go with like, you know what? You're right. Uh, I'm sorry I brought up gender when the issue is really just I want to spend extra time with Harry because his other mom has left. Um, And then to also acknowledge, I think, that that's not the girl's fault either. And it's not going to help anyone if they're like, oh, I remember when our mom split up, our uncle basically stopped talking to us for something we didn't control. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not helping Harry. Um, there's, there's, you, you can still say like, I would like to spend some time that's just me and Harry. And I'm also willing to spend some time with all three of the kids. I think that's going to be the best way to get what you want, which is, you know, time with Harry so that you can relate to him and kind of share your own experience of like, this was hard for me too. You know, Here's here's a kind of safe place where the two of us can talk about this unique situation and still like once or twice a month, take all three of them out for lunch or something because those three kids are going to have to be siblings no matter what. And one opportunity you have here is to say, I realize some of the people in your life are essentially saying the three of you aren't really siblings. You're not really the same family because of who your biological father was. I don't think that that's true. To me, you are all my nieces and nephew. Like you are all the kids in my family. I love you all. Again, that doesn't mean you have to spend equal time with the girls as you do with Harry, but it sounds like you're kind of saying, well, they get a bunch of great stuff from other people. So I can pretty much just ignore them and focus on only Harry. And that I think I get where you're coming from there, but I think that's the wrong move. Does that make sense? Totally. I, I really agree. And that's like a great thing to pick up on because as they grow up, you know, hopefully and remain a family, uh, the relation, a relationship that's going to be really important probably for Harry is with his sisters. Um, and I think that you should, I'm not saying that letter writer, you're doing this, but I notice like what you're saying about the Build-A-Bear thing and about, 
you know, you're sort of characterizing these like children um, in a way that I think could be problematic if you end up sharing it or imprinting it too much on Harry, because I'm sure he's like aware of the difference and I'm sure he's picked up on that himself. But also these, you you don't know what it's like inside that family or what it's actually like for those girls or what they're experiencing. Um, so I just think really just trying to be as much of a grown up as you can. I mean, of course you are, but when you are spending time with the kids, really just trying to be as, um, I understand the situation is upsetting and unfair, but at least where they're concerned, the girls and Harry, like trying to treat them all like kids who have done nothing wrong right? Um, is really important. And sending Harry that message is really important too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It is not his, it's not your niece's fault that one of Harry's mothers has completely emotionally abandoned him and the other one appears to be really struggling with seeing him as a child who needs her. Um, And sometimes, again, probably because of his gender is like, he'll be fine. Um, That's not good. But you can't fix that by ignoring a pair of five-year-olds. You know what I mean? Like The part where you're, I think, losing perspective is the idea of, I'm not just going to give extra focus to Harry. I'm also going to be kind of indifferent towards the other girls to sort of correct for the possibility that they might end up spoiled. And that is just like, kids don't work that way. So you need to find a kind of like bare minimum of what you can give all three kids. And again, like these little girls, they're they they can still use you just because their mom's taken the Build-A-Bear a lot. You don't have to buy them stuff. You don't have to um, treat them like little princesses or anything like that. But you do have to remain continually avuncular and warm as you have been before this divorce. And again, with Harry, he's in a very difficult position. I really, really feel for him. I'm so glad that you're there for him. I hope potentially as he moves into high school that his school does begin to offer counseling and that you can encourage him. You know, I really disagree with your mom's relationship to therapy. I don't think therapy is an insult. I don't think it means you're weak. If you ever, as an adult, want to pursue therapy, I will champion and cheer you. Your your bitterness and frustration make sense to me, but I also want to encourage you to remember that it's not your sister's fault. Like, there's ways you can really hold space for his real resentments and frustrations and ways that you can act to avoid um, lashing out or ex- expressing misdirected anger at little kids um, that I think is important for you to do, again, as the, like, good, strong adult figure in Harry's life right now. Yeah. Oh, this one is so interesting. I could talk about it for so long. Yeah. I have so many, but I don't want to go over time. I'm glad you hit the therapy thing, though, because I definitely snagged on that. And I was like, why? This sounds like a situation where therapy would be exactly the thing to do. Um, yeah. So I yeah. don't know why she has an issue with it, but um, it's great that that you don't. And mm-hmm. the last thing I wanted to say uh, before we, I'm sure, has to have to stop is that um, I think that sometimes adults can, without, I, I think it's a tricky balance, I think, to be aware of between holding space for like his experience and being sympathetic and understanding to, you know, the situation he has totally unfairly been put in and also creating, um, I don't know, with, with divorce a lot, they talk about this where it's like when one parent or one adult becomes sort of like the secret keeper about the other parent. Um, so I would just be careful of, um, you know, just being mindful and, and, and thoughtful about 
what you do say about your sister, what you say when um, Harry complains about her, the way, like the messages you're sending him, I guess, because she's still his mom and she's the only mom he has. And while, of course, you want to protect him and make sure he feels supported, it's also probably not going to help anyone to uh, encourage him to feel like he should be um, really, really... I don't know that that there's another adult out there that is like um, undermining or sort of uh, shaking the foundation of her position in his life. Yeah, and it's it's also just hard. Like I, I realize I've I've offered some pretty strong advice in terms of what I think the letter writer needs to avoid, but it also just really sucks that you were acknowledging like, hey, your ex has abandoned one of your kids, and he's not getting nearly the kind of like attention and affection that his sisters are. And your sister's response was to scream, you're not going to take my son away. Like, that sucks. I'm really sorry that that was her response. And so I think part of my advice is like, here's what I think you should do because it's it's right and it's important to remember that little five-year-old girls are not at fault here. And then some of it is also strategic of like, I, I also want you not to like bend over backwards to conciliate your sister, but also the goal here is to make sure that you're enabled um to continue to see and talk to Harry um and and the very real awareness that she could if she was upset enough take that away and and I really don't want that for either of you so I hope not that I think you need to start lying to her or saying I agree with everything that you're doing but to maybe either agree to let a subject drop for a little while or to say I'd love to talk about this again I don't want to attack you I know that you're working hard under very difficult circumstances it's not that I think, you know, uh, your gender means that you can't parent Harry. It's just that I notice he's down one parent right now, and I want to step in where that's possible. So good luck. I'm really sorry for Harry. I'm really sorry for his relationship with his sisters and the way in which his parents are planting the seeds for unnecessary rivalry and enmity and and resentment. The fruits of which, like, we see in letters often, right? Like, people grow up and then they're like, I hate my siblings because of what my parents did. And that's really painful. Yeah. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 